Revolution Night Podcast coming your way. This is episode 519. Steven the Mobster joining me. And we are today going to talk about how many need to do grams of steroids. That's going to be the topic of this one. So we're going to talk about it. Really, really good one to get into. So, Mobster, why don't we start off with talking about pros versus normal people? And yeah. Um, yeah. So, Jump guys. Right in, yeah. Listeners, the, the, the I see occasionally, and Steve and I talked about this in the pre-show, conversations, debates, which take the form of the only reason why pros, these winning competition winning bodybuilders, and Mr. Olympia is bigger than me, is because they're taking two, three, four, five grams a week. And if I took three, four, five grams a week, I would be their size. And the reality of that is the argument is null and void. You would not. You have to have a predilection for an affinity for taking high amounts of steroids and getting a lot out of it, which is genetics. You have to have a genetic affinity, a predilection for being a big motherfucker. You need to be a, a mesomorph. If you look at the background of 90% of the top professional bodybuilders, or indeed any athletes, they, they've always got some other kind of athletic background, whether it was wrestling or lifting, or they played American football or something. There was always something fast or strong or powerful about them before they got into bodybuilding. There's a rare exception. I would argue, for example, my Steve, I had a little bit of middle distance running and Taekwondo in my background. Uh, the local professional bodybuilder was a middle distance runner. So there's a sort of fast and medium twitch muscle fiber thing going on there. But in reality, if you don't have the attachments, the genetics, the receptor affinity, whatever, you could take the same amount as a top professional bodybuilder, and you would not look like a top-level professional bodybuilder. So the argument becomes, how much do you need? How much does taking lots and lots of performance-answering drugs make of a difference? Now, something that Steve touched upon in the pre-show, which is also true, and it's kind of just it almost make a mockery of what I've just said, Steve, is that we know those professional bodybuilders, there are some out there that take very little, and we'll get into that in a little bit, requires our own use but there are some that do take a lot i think we've talked about on another show the dallas mccarver death cycle when the list of drugs it was like a shopping list Steve. and just recently with the liver king you've got a list of drugs with other bodybuilders and, and and influencers and the like you've got a list of drugs so one of the arguments is that they are top level athletes they are prepared to risk things and there's a there's a payback for them if they win they're getting four hundred thousand dollars Two, three million dollars a year total contract, that kind of money. And again, they've also got that affinity and their competition is taking loads. So there's sometimes a psychological thing of if my, my competition's taking it, I need to take it. So there's an element of that as well. And again, what we're looking at, Steve, with top professionals again, someone that would be really, really big and very, very muscular and very little, that needs that polish, it needs that quality, it needs that pop, it needs that 3D thing going on with a little bit more. And then we just get down into how much more. Is it a gram? Is it two grams? Is it three grams? What do you think, Steve? So here's here's the danger that people get into, and I see this a lot with people. I talk to a lot of the younger guys especially, and I, I really like to. Those of you who know me and, you know, Mobster knows this, I used to be a weightlifting coach for the high school level. I used to be a judge as well for powerlifting competitions. And a lot of the younger guys, they're influenced by influencers, and influencers are going to tell them things and they're also going to be influenced by the things that influencers are putting out there. 
They're also going to be influenced what pros are doing. They want to be like the professional bodybuilders. And bodybuilding is so much different than other sports. I'm pretty sure that most of you out there are going to, you know, who are listening to this, you're a lot more knowledgeable than most people, but your peers out there are going to be different. The interesting thing is your peers know that I can't just go out there and practice kicking a football and I'm going to be in the NFL as a field goal kicker. I can't practice punting and be a punter in the NFL. I can't practice. I can't do what Tom Brady does and be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. So the bottom line is in bodybuilding, everyone thinks if I do what the pros do, I can be a pro bodybuilder. If I take what the pros take, if I eat what the pros eat, I think there's a, a very popular video out there with millions and millions of views of Jay Cutler, the bodybuilder, walking around the grocery store. And I'm sure you've seen this video too. And he's grabbing, he opens up the freezer at the grocery store. He grabs bags and pounds of fish, frozen fish, puts it in his cart. He goes and buys pounds of steak, puts it on his cart. He goes and buys a bunch of balsamic, puts it in the cart. It's what this guy eats. He eats a ton, a ton of food. So a lot of guys will watch that and they'll be like, yeah, if I want to be like Jay Cutler, that's what I got to do. If I want to bodybuild, I got to eat like Jay Cutler. Then they'll watch his videos. They'll watch Ronnie Coleman on videos. They'll watch the extra Jackson videos and be like, wow, look at the way they're working out. If I work out like that, I'm going to do that. The the truth is if you eat the way Jay Cutler eats, you're just going to get fat. You're going to be, become a type 2 diabetic. You're going to be out of shape. If you work out the way Dexter Jackson and Ronnie Coleman and these guys work out, you're just going to hurt yourself. You're going to blow out every disc in your spine. You're going to, you know, it, it's just not going to work. You're basically just going to be reduced to a pile of rubber, you know? So, uh, so look, look, the bottom line is when it comes to steroid dosing, yes, the pros do use a lot of gear and they use gear year round. To them, just the therapeutic dose of gear would be what a regular person uses on a cycle, for example. So yeah. to follow what they do is not going to turn you into them. That's that's my bottom line point. You could go train like uh, the exact same training that LeBron James does and hours of shooting a basketball, hours of shooting a basketball, and you could have the best coaches in the world coaching you, and you'll never be LeBron James. Because he has that genetic ability to do it, you know, and he's got that on his side. So you're not going to just follow what a pro bodybuilder does. So you, that's the step one. And most of you listening to this, you mostly get that that grasp. But there's always that hint because of social media influencers in the fitness industry that want to fool you into thinking. And we've done other podcasts about this where they want to fool you into thinking, yeah, this supplement, my uh, protein powder that I'm selling here made me into what I look like. And no, it's steroids. And I think a lot of you understand that, but your peers may not. So it's really important to not worry about what the pros are doing and worry about what's best for you and what's going to make you successful. And in this podcast, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why we feel that way. So I'll sort of jump into that a little bit and then we'll kind of get yeah, into there's one more thing. There's one more thing that springs to mind, Steve. And I think we sometimes see this with pre-workouts. We sometimes see it with uh, other supplements. Um, and, I, and it's almost logical, but it doesn't work. And it's a kind of fallacy. And it's that if, if I take X and X is for argument's sake, like 100 milligrams of something, an ingredient in a pre-workout, 
and I had an amazing workout. It was it was gorgeous. I was pumped. I was buzzing. Uh, I was throwing the weights around. It's all relative, of course. The weights we were throwing around were the weights we would normally be using. You didn't suddenly get twice as strong, as an example. So the logic then becomes, if I take twice the dose, oh, my God, I'm going to be Superman. The workout's going to be amazing. It's going to feel like an hour's workout. It's going to feel like 15 minutes. I'm going to... I'm going to be throwing the weights around even more and more and more. And we see this a lot. We see this with pre-workouts doubling up on the doses to make the claim that they're the strongest. We see it um, with people almost needing to be, as an I use the word just nasty, buzzing, kind of on something when they're having a workout. And so the, the, the thought process, and we've seen this even with dangerous drugs, with like DNP, and rare occasion people have died precisely because of that thought process. So the element of that creeping into performance-enhancing drugs, and specifically steroids, it happens there as well, which is essentially, I had a great, I mean, I use this in, in, in the pre-show with Steve. I said, on other shows, we talked about first cycles and how most people's first cycle was Dynabol. And it'd be, the average is 30 to 50 milligrams. Let's say that the average first cycle was 30 milligrams of Dynabol. So that's a 210 milligram cycle per week of Dynabol. And you had some of your best gained ever now if you went out and took 10 times so 2100 milligrams which would be a kind of low level pros level of total milligram from all the different performance enhancement drugs they're using but in this case just dynabol would you have 10 times the gains and we know that the answer is no and in fact the biggest issue would be the side effects so guys the logic doesn't hold as steve said the logic wouldn't hold if you decided to do 40 hours a week of putting the ball in the basket and trying to be LeBron. It wouldn't hold for other things, but for, for some particular reason, and maybe it's because it's screwed up in our uh, physicality, and maybe it's because, obviously, we this desire to be bigger, muscular, to be, quote-unquote, like a Superman, is tied up with our psyche, that this idea that if we double up or triple up or or, or do pro-level dosages, we'll have pro-level-like results. And the reality is not. I think possibly there's also an element of, Steve, and I especially apply this to new guys in the gym, especially if they don't know you, they've never spoke to you, they don't know much about performance enhancing drugs. And it's that uh, is, is and especially for fellas, way more than women, I think, and I know I'm generalising here, there's an element of we all like to think that we're kicking ass when we go to the gym. We all like to think we're grinding and we're doing everything that we need to do. And in reality, we know once we get experience, we know looking back, through the time that we've been in the gym, that's not the case. But we feel like, and especially when you first start, it is all god-awful when everything's pumped and straining your sweat and you can't believe how hard it is. But in reality, when you look back years later, when you're a lot stronger, you think, it was a good enough workout and I was certainly feeling it. There's nothing like what I'm doing now. And so the idea that you, the big guy in the corner, the muscular fellow with a six-pack, is must be looking the way that he does because he's taking more drugs than I am or some sort of secret that's not just training, because I'm damn sure I'm training as hard as this. So there's, there's an element of that to it, Steve, as well. Let's talk about our personal use, because you and I are both relatively uh, low-dose kind of users. So I'll let you go first, Steve. Tell everybody what you've done. What's the most that you've done? Yeah, so and what's talk, the best? I talked to Mobster about this earlier. When I first started using anabolic steroids, you know, I started out with a standard 500 milligrams of testosterone sus or, you know, slash sustenone. And then, uh, you know, Third cycle, I said, you know what? Let me try 750. Let me see what's going to happen with 750. And there was no difference. If anything, it hurt me more than helped me because it, it kind of increased my side effects, made me a little more fatigued. 
affected my sleep negatively. So in my experience, just less is better. I mean, I got better results on 500 than I get than I get 750. Because what happens is the more you use, the more side effects you get. So like if you're sleeping a little worse on 750 and 500, you're going to have worse gains. You know? And if you're getting a little more water retention on 750 versus 500, then you run the risk of having estrogen-related side effects, androgenic side effects, all kinds of stuff. The most steroids I've ever used, everyone wants to know that. I use, the most I've ever used is a 500 of testosterone, 400 milligrams of DECA, and 30 milligrams a day of Dianable. So it was 900 milligrams a week of injectables, and then 30 milligrams of Dianable just for four weeks of the cycle. So, you know, that it's not that much. And that was the cycle where I gained the most weight that I've ever done. Now, if you want to go out and, you know, you want to want a big cycle just to see what it's like, then go for it. You know, it's it really is something you have to experiment with. But I'm look, I'm very confident that if you do a if you run a cycle and you run all that dosing, all that's going to happen is you're just going to have nasty side effects. And, and, and in the end, you're actually going to have less results. So I think that's pretty much, you know, my experience. And then since then, you know, I realized, after I realized that it was really a load, load off of me, you know, I was able to run much less dosages and really focus in on my diet, on my training, pre-cycle, post-cycle. These are the things that are going to determine how much you improve and how much you don't improve. It's not necessarily going to come down to, hey, just it's about, you know, how much more gear I can use. So and we've we have enough anecdotal evidence over the years to know, OK, you and your two buddies that you train with, all three of you can run the same amount of gear and all three yep. of you will have different results or. You can run 500, your friend can run 750, and your other friend can run 1,000. And after the cycle, 12 weeks, what kind of results did you get? It doesn't necessarily mean the guy who run 1,000 is going to have better results yeah. than you. There's a lot more to it. So it's not just about steroid use, but steroids are an important factor in, in bodybuilding. They are an absolutely important factor, but they're definitely not the end-all and by increasing the dosage and running grams of gear, you're only causing side effects. So we'll get into kind of side effects that you can actually get by running grams of gear in a second. But Mobster, why don't you tell us you, because you're a big guy. Give us your stats. Those of the maybe who, who aren't following our podcast, tell guys how big you are and tell them what's the most steroids you've ever ran. Right. So I'm actually probably at the lowest I've been for well over a year, Steve. In the gym this morning, and I've only been back about half an hour, I weigh 313 pounds. Any of you regular listeners will know that my weight's varied. The heaviest I've been is 150 kilograms, which is 330 pounds. And I think I've been over 300 pounds now, Steve, probably for the best part of two, two and a half, maybe coming on towards three years. Uh, now, what's the most I've ever run? I believe... I always quote this, but I always say to myself it's one or the other. But I believe it was 765 milligrams total. And I calculated that based on I was taking Sust and Decker, which I've mentioned in another podcast, guys. So, you know, it's never going to change. 
And I believe it was every four days or something like that. And it approximated to two mil of each. Uh, so one mil, one mil on day one and one mil, one mil on, on, on day four. Because I, I, I got the calculator out and worked out what that was over a seven-day period. And it come out to, in total, 765 milligrams. Let's round that up, guys, and call it three quarters of a gram. That's the most I've ever run of anything. All my oral cycles have been 30 to 50 milligrams a day. For example, Anavar, 50 milligrams, that's 350 milligrams a week. I've talked about how uh, I got strong on that, but not necessarily big. Uh, Dianabol, 30, 40, 50 milligrams a day again. So anywhere between 210 and 350 milligrams a week on Dianabol. And for example, first cycle, gain 10, F6. And even a more recent Anadrol. When I could have run it a lot higher, up to 100 milligrams, still lower than the clinical use for medical conditions. And I, I again, run it, I believe, I think 50 milligrams a day against day, 350 milligrams a week. And that took me up to the height of, I think, recently, last cycle, I was 321 pounds, something like that. And again, I'm not trying to get bigger now at this point. On my Sustan Deca cycle, which would be the highest one, I went from an average off-cycle weight of 280 pounds to an on-cycle, end-of-cycle weight of 300 pounds, so 20-pound gain. And again, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, I wasn't trying to get bigger per se, so I was happy to lose most, if not all, of that weight when I came off-cycle because, and there's something else I mentioned, and again, it's one of those side effects, that much of a gain was a strain. Sounds a bit like poetry, Steve, but it wasn't because I was great in the gym, super strong, kicking ass, winning the competitions that I've taken a cycle for. But I lived in what we call here in the UK a two up, two down. In other words, ground floor and then one floor upstairs, 20 steps, Steve. And I would get out of breath going upstairs. I could feel every pound of that 20 pounds walking up one flight of motherfucking stairs to the bedroom, to the bathroom. It was not comfortable. And again, three quarters of a gram. Now, you can do, run the numbers on this. We can talk about what the average bodybuilder weight is, the size is. And let's be frank, over 200 pounds makes you bigger than most people. You're into extra large T-shirts and the like. Uh, the average bodybuilder, I believe, is between 5'9 and 5'10. And if we said that you were 200 pounds at 5'9, you're going to look pretty muscular for most people. I'm six foot three, so I can carry a bit more weight for my height. But nevertheless, three quarters of a gram sleep, three quarters, tiny, tiny fraction over three quarters. The most, you've run more than I have. And here's, here's the thing, guys. It's one of those, would I have gained more if I'd have taken a gram? Would I have gained more if I'd have gone 1,200, 1,300, 1,400, maybe? But it was horrendous, really, just walking around. So another five or 10 pounds would have been worse. In reality, I didn't try to hold that weight, and I also didn't allow what's called accommodation. And I'm, what I mean by accommodation is when I've gained weight and I've kept it, and it doesn't matter whether I was 170 to 190 or 210 or 230 or whatever, it took me three months, on average, 12 weeks, to get used to that weight. That's in terms of the muscle sitting on my body. That's in terms of being able to sleep well at night. That's in terms of being able to go out for walks or climb a mountain or ride a bike, or do any of the normal daily stuff, and even stupid things like, and when I've been working for other people, just changing uniforms, Steve, just changing the clothes they've got to wear. So, yeah, 
for me, it's taken me that long to get used to it, that long to get comfortable. And I, I'm, I'm quite happy now seeing a 300 plus pounds. But ne again, never, never needed to go much over there. And Steve will tell you that uh, the, as muscular as Steve is, and there's plenty of little photographs we've got on the forums of Steve in condition with a six pack, he took the best part of another 500 or so milligrams more than me on the biggest ever cycle that he's run. And he's never, ever, ever been anywhere close to 300 pounds. So like Steve said, there's a definite individual response. And I again, I, I, I've been around, and I've said this on other podcasts, Steve, Wells' strongest man competitors that were taking less than me. And I know they were taking less than me because those are the kind of conversations we were having. Short of them jabbing into their ass in front of me, which they did not do, we were having, what have you got? What are you going to take? How much are you going to use? That kind of conversation. And I know in a particular person's example that they got to the world's strongest man with nothing and then only used their first cycle when they got into the qualifiers, into the last 10 man going forward into the finals. So just as an example, Steve, I know of other athletes of their ilk, again, world's strongest man competitors that were 220, 230 pounds when they were 17 years of age and playing rugby at school. And again, that would be with nothing. So you need... a genetic advantage you don't need massive amounts to grow and uh, if nothing else guys you're saving yourself some money <laughs> seriously <laughs> i'm as stingy as the next motherfucker when it comes to this stuff why spend two thousand dollars when a thousand dollar cycle is gonna if you've got it right and it works for you and you're training in nutrition and everything else is on point you've saved yourself a thousand dollars for the next cycle guys that's just just the money you don't need to spend two grand, three grand, four grand uh, to gain twice as much or three times as much. There's more tweaks that can come from nutrition and training that will help you grow, and we can get into that a little bit, than, than doubling up on the PEDs. There, that's not to say that some people, I would say probably about five, maybe 10%, and I'm not even talking about competition-winning pro athletes. I'm talking about maybe five or 10% of you that will see a difference. I can think of one or two individuals, even on the forums, that run more than me and they look a lot more muscular than I do. But it doesn't apply to the rest of you. So you need to do what works for you. And that's the difficulty, Steve, learning that particular aspect. But we're talking about averages here. We're talking about a normal listener, typical listener, the average Joe that wants to get into shape, wants to look good. And what works for them is what we're saying. That's 90% of you listening. And unless you have a certain look muscular already, veins etc etc and you were very very good athlete at school it's unlikely that you're not yeah so um as i say guys the advice that we want to give you it applies to the great and vast majority of our listeners and it's very, very easy, and especially so on forums uh, and, and um, many, many forums. I've seen this one, Steve. Very, very easy as an armchair expert to give out advice about taking loads and loads and loads. You have to remember sometimes, guys, the person that's giving you that advice, sometimes that's what they do. So it's in their own personal experience, and it's also their own thought process. In mean, reality, I wouldn't coach you just for training in the same way that I train. And any advice I give you needs to be specific to you. So when we're doing this podcast, we're aiming for the typical listener who's of a certain height, a certain weight, et cetera, et cetera, and they do not need to take two or three times more than Steve did or two, three, four times more than I did 
in order to grow. Yeah, back to you, Steve. Let's talk about the uh, risk and the side effects that are possible. Yeah, so jacking up the dosing is going to just increase. It's like a domino effect. It's going to increase the side effects exponentially. We know that. Um, you can run blood work and see how bad. Now, obviously, all anabolic steroids, aside from a couple out there, really hit your liver hard, even injectables. That's a big misunderstanding when people think injectables don't hurt your liver, and they do. Any foreign substance that you're using an, an, an incredible amount of is going to affect your kidneys, your liver. It's going to affect your organs in general. So the more you run, the more signs you're going to get. Heart health, your cholesterol levels are going to get extremely out of whack on a high amount of anabolic steroids. Your blood pressure is going to get more strain on an excessive amount. They get strained as it is, even on a gram. Imagine two grams, three grams, four grams. What happens? And all these pro bodybuilders, they shorten their lifespan from the anabolic steroid abuse. They shorten it. These social media influencers, you notice that they drop dead like all the time of things and their relatives, you know, they'll come out and make excuses as to why they died, but they won't mention that anabolic steroids are a big contributor. Like if you have already a bad heart and you use a ton of anabolic steroids, what do you think is going to happen? If you already have bad kidneys and you use anabolic steroids, what do you think is going to happen? It's just going to get worse. So really the idea is you use anabolic steroids you cycle them on and off, and you use them smartly, and you can keep your life. You can stay healthy long term. You know, there are former bodybuilders who use steroids in the past who are living long lifestyles, and they're very healthy, including me and Mobster, Mobster and I. So, you know, we've got to remember the effects. Now, in terms of shutdown, how much it affects your HBTA. The longer you use steroids at a time, the more it's going to affect your HPTA health. So it's not as much of an issue. The amount you use is how long you use them. So from that perspective, it won't hurt you as bad as people may think. In other words, if you run three grams of steroids for eight weeks, then come off properly, do a PCT, recover properly for a while and let your HPTA recover, it's not going to be as bad as running 500 milligrams for a year straight. That's that's pretty much my point. But when it comes to acne, head hair loss, you know, um, the effects on your prostate, the effects on your organs, you know, there's so much different things that can happen. The risk of gynecomastia is going to be really, really hard to stop if you're running a ton of gear that aromatizes um, cancers in general, androgen, androgens and estrogen will fire off cancer cells in your body big time. Um, so there's going to be issues with that. There could be issues with erectile dysfunction. There could be issues with libido, all kinds of issues with that that are going to hit you. And those, some of these side effects, you know, can be permanent. In other words, if you develop cholesterol problems from cycling, and abusing steroids, two, three grams, it's going to be harder to balance those cholesterol levels down the line. 
you likely will have to go on cholesterol medication to get that number back down, which is not something you want to do. So now we're taking something and then having to use medications to cover it up. It's not really the way I preach it. So it's so much better just to stick to a thousand milligrams or less. You don't need any more. You just don't. For 99.9% .9 of you out there, you just don't need. Now, one day, if you want to become a pro bodybuilder, you want to monetize it, you want to make a living at it, then I can get running two, three grams. But for the rest of you, it's just not going to be necessary. So, Mobster, you know, uh, give us your final thoughts um, on this and take us a disclaimer. I'll give you a couple of examples, Steve. One would be uh, just using painkillers. There are certain painkillers that will rip the fuck out of your stomach. I'm thinking most of the anti-inflammatories. And again, if it stops the pain, that's enough. Don't don't use more because you're just giving yourself stomach problems. And as Steve said, if you just read the, 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 the uh, insert that comes with these drugs, damage to the liver and kidneys again, as Steve said. There's also, for example, and it's just a silly little thing here, Steve, guys that talk about this, and especially it depends on if you're using the shorter esters, it's more pinning uh, and it's more fluid going in, more likely to give you problems with swelling and discomfort and pain until the swelling goes down, until the oil is absorbed into the body and stuff like that. And those guys will also talk about running out of sites. So for me, I want a, I want a, I want to return for my effort. I want to return for what I'm using. And so for me, the least amount combined, and this is the preachy part here, guys, with hardcore, full bore, no holding back, and really knowing that you're putting out effort training and being on point with your nutrition is going to make as much of a difference as another 200, 300, 400 milligrams. It really, really will. We know too many people that will use a lot and their diet doesn't change. They'll use a lot, and the training remains the same. They're almost relying on getting bigger because they're taking more milligrams of steroids. And it should be the other way around. It should be training nutrition first, and then the PEDs. So bottom line here, guys, if you're a typical listener, and I don't mean to negate by saying you're an average guy because you're in the gym and you're trying to do what you've got to do, you do not need grams and grams and grams, a little bit more, perhaps also as you get experience and you run more cycles. But there is a point of diminishing returns. The great and vast majority of people, myself esteem included, do not need to take two, three, four grams in order to be any bigger or any stronger or any more muscular than we are right now. And what applies to us with our level of experience and our time under the bar shall, shall apply to the great and vast majority of listeners. As always, there's a small percentage of you that will differ whether you have the genetics for it or whether you're competitive uh, or whether you're just that much more of a driven individual and you need to experiment in order to see for yourself sometimes that's what we need to do steve we need to run it a little bit higher just to see please note we are not doctors and the opinions are ours it is our view and it's based on our experience and views on the topic a podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only the freedom of speech and the first amendment applies <laughs>